All right. Uh, welcome, everyone. My name is Ravi Sarosi. My name is Luke Whitman, and welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. Today is the pilot episode, so you guys are here to truly witness history. Um, and, you know, we started this podcast because we're just a group of guys, and we always have these really, like, fascinating conversations with each other. And we figure that we just really want to share with others because, uh, you know, other young people in our stages of life don't really have, uh, you know, kind of that guidance or companionship from someone who knows what it's like to live and breathe in their shoes as we do. Um, but at the same time, we're also complete degenerates. So, you know, learning from our experiences is is key. Exactly. I agree. And this podcast has been a long time coming. About two years of planning and strategizing, uh, but here we are now, and we are ready to have a good conversation. Hell yeah, let's get us started. Let's get our, our first topic would be uh, the recent Eddie uh, versus Thor fight. It's going to be Eddie Hall versus Hafthor Bjornsson. These are uh, two uh, famous strongmen. They've each won <clears throat> the uh, World's Strongest Man at least once, um, and they have been having this beef for the past uh, several years. I remember a while back, um, there was a feud between Eddie and Thor. Uh, Thor thought he should have won, and this kind of uh, started this whole feud between them. Uh, I believe a year ago or a couple years ago, Thor, actually a couple years ago, Thor broke Eddie's world record of 500 kilograms by one kilogram. And it was just that kind of like petty stuff that kind of like built up, and eventually they just uh, fought. So I a deadlift, right? The yes. 500 kilograms was for deadlift. It's a, it's a 500 Dang. kilogram deadlift. That's what, like? Somewhere in the range of 1,200 pounds. It was a world record at the time. Um, and it beat the world record by a lot. It was like, yeah, it was, it, was, it was way up there. No one thought anyone would break it. And then, you know, Thor comes in weighing 450 pounds or somewhere in that range. Just, and you could have pulled more. Um, he only pulled 501. He did it just to, you know, break the record. But um, he could have he he pulled more. Well, I mean, I, let's face it. He did. He did five hundred one as a f you to Eddie Hall. Yes, it was. It was a <laughs> fuck you, Eddie Hall. Like, yeah, I'm better than you. And then he pulled it, and he said, "All right, let's have a fight." So wait, so when he pulled that, was this was that like the start of their beef? So like that they was, were completely chill before, and then he's like, you know what, <laughs> one kilo. That was not the start of their beef. No, they um, oh, okay. Eddie and Thor had a strongman competition a while back, and Thor thought he should have won uh, because he got discounted on some of his reps, and he ended up coming short of Eddie because of a like a judging thing. Um, oh. Which, in my opinion, he was breaking the rules. I think Eddie deserved that win, but nevertheless, that's where it started. Um, and then the, the 501 was an FU to Eddie Hall for doing that. So now, uh, going to the fight. Now these are like 300 pound behemoths. I believe Eddie had the weight advantage. Thor had a height advantage. Um, they're both coming in, uh, 300 pounds plus. I, and, uh, Thor ended up taking it. If you ended up seeing that match, uh, and it really came down to the endurance. Like, uh, he didn't have the advantage in power. Um, but he definitely took it in endurance. You know, he came prepared. He came much leaner, much lighter, uh, despite being taller. So I think that's what that's what ended. The first round was really great, but Eddie Hall just gassed himself out. So by unanimous decision, he ended up winning. I mean, man, I saw that fight, and 
I saw the way Eddie Hall was was coming in and trying to punch, and he just kept spamming that right hook. You know, I think that I think, his, I think his torn bicep definitely played a role because he said he was fully healed, but he obviously wasn't. Uh, he was only using his one arm, so it's also like half crouched down half the time. I'm I'm not sure what what he was trying to do. There. No, he was too he was too big. He was trying to be agile, but he's he's way too big. He should have kept his kept his hands up, kept his defense a little bit better. He he came in way too cocky. I think he 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 kept his hands down most of the fight. I think he's just too big for that. He can't move like a smaller guy can. He needs to get his hands up like 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 Half Thor. Half Thor came in. He was much better boxing technically. Like just jabs, just light punches, and Eddie Hall was going for the haymakers, um, and it tired himself out. And he was all, he also has less endurance, so that really wasn't a great plan for him. I don't know why he came in that way. I think it was more emotional too. He came in with all that emotion, um, and you know, that's what that's what ended up happening. He but gassed himself out. Yeah. So. Damn. So. Yeah, I I think it's kind of interesting why because obviously these are two strong men. Um, why like people would choose um to become a strongman and be like four hundred pounds, like absolutely huge, over like trying to like lift and build for aesthetics, you know? Because it's it's a good point. I mean, because you know, you look at Half Thor, and when he was like competing in four hundred fifty uh, plus pounds, somewhere in that range, you know, he had to use a machine to breathe. He was too big. He was too heavy. His heart. Obviously, was not you know having it. Uh, you, you, the human body isn't meant to be four hundred fifty pounds, whether that's fat or muscle. It doesn't matter. Um, even at three hundred pounds, he's he's um, he's relatively unhealthy. I mean, carrying that much weight just isn't good for you. Uh, it's it's more. I think uh, you know when you get into a sport, you want to be the best, and they'll do anything to be the best. If that if that takes sixty years off their life, they don't really care. Um, but I do agree with you that, in, in my opinion, I'd rather be aesthetic. What about you? Um, yeah, I think definitely aesthetics is the route. You touched on a pretty important point that I want to um, flesh yeah. out some more. So when you're talking about, like, these guys that they want to, um, or rather they're they're willing to, um, like, do, do the absolute max, just, like, absolutely redline and destroy yeah. their bodies to become the best. And that's all sports. Um, yeah, what's... What do you think that what do you think that sacrifice comes from? Where what place does that come from? You know, I couldn't tell you. I mean, uh coming from personal experience, I definitely probably work out more than what's healthy. Um it could be an addiction thing. They are addicted to being the best, they're addicted to working out, doing that much. Um it's their, you know, profession, that's what they do. That's how they make money. Um but it's it's definitely a mental thing. Um you can't really go into their heads and be like, hey, like, like, what makes their head tick and say, I'm willing to destroy my body that much to become the best? Um, it's a mentality that I think a lot of us won't understand. Um, I certainly won't understand it. I'm, I'm not going to take off 40 years of my life to become the very best at a sport, but I respect them for doing it. I mean, what well, do you think? See, that's interesting because I wonder if that's a mental that mentality is what led them to the top of their respective sport. So, for example, like let's say there's you know two competitors and one is willing to literally do everything, including essentially like kill themselves in order right. to be the best, and the other person isn't willing to do so. 
in what like logical conclusion would person B be greater than person A? You know what I mean? So well, I in that sense, like it's almost like what inhibitions are you willing to forego for greatness? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um because I know a lot of these guys, it could be a competition thing. It could be like slowly building up. You know, one guy is like, you know, starts experimenting with some extracurriculars. And then you have, you know, the other guys that are like, oh, like, well, to compete, I got to do that. So now they compete it. And now it's just a small bump. I mean, over the years, I mean, look at strongman, you know, in the past, look at bodybuilding in the past. It's nearly, not nearly extre as extreme as it is now. I think a lot of it is just like building up over time. It's like to be the best, you have to do more. To be the best, you have to do more. And just every year, it's like, it's like a little bit more. So it's like, to us, it's like a big jump. But to them, it's like taking little baby steps all the way up to the top. Also so, true. Yeah, but, interesting. And then obviously, like, when it comes to, like, who looks better, um, it's, I mean, aesthetics in name, but aesthetics looks better. Um, what's the true purpose of aesthetics, you think? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean... Obviously, you hit it on the nail on the head, right? It's to look better. But like, if yeah. I, if I were to go further beyond that, like, uh, what, no, why yeah. are you trying to look better? Is the question I would ask myself. Like, for for what purpose, right? I, yeah. And, I, go, ahead. Ahead, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I would wager that it's most people don't do it for an intrinsic reason, right? It's always some external reason that they're doing it, um, and I believe that that's. I think it starts that way. I, I, I do believe it starts that way. And maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the ingredient needed, that kind of external motivation, whatever it might be, in order to um, kind of like light that fire to get that person started. Um, I mean, but I, I feel like if you, if you keep that same vein of, um, you know, always being externally motivated, whether it be by women or whatever, literally whatever it is, in order to be aesthetic um at the end they kind of have to ask yourself yeah you're doing that for essentially other people but like what about you you know what about yourself exactly i mean we all like to think that we do it for ourselves but i in the back of our head there's that you know like sexual motivation too like we are um creatures put on the earth to reproduce like evolutionary speaking you know um that is kind of like the purpose of every living organism so in the back of it like what I think, like, the, the basis of it is we want to look better to attract a mate. That's where it starts, I think, uh, for most people. Look better to attract a mate, in our case, uh, women. And then it, it kind of turns into a <clears> – <throat> it can turn into a competitive thing. You know, you want to be the biggest one in the gym. You want to look the best in the gym. And then you, you still – I think, uh, in my opinion, I do it for myself, too. It's not all, you know, external. It's a, it's a lot of internal, too. I, I want to be better than – I want to be, you know, I want to look better than last time. Go in the gym, work harder than last time, just for myself. Um, but it definitely sure. starts as an as an external thing, I think. Do you um, think that? So you, you made an interesting point about like it's starting essentially as being like a mate driven thing. Do you think that like as a species, maybe even through like bettering ourselves like physically and mentally, we're able to kind of uh, transverse those like primal urges and instincts yeah of course i mean as human beings uh we as far as we know we have the we're the only ones that have um consciousness 
where we can we can think more than other animals can, and that's kind of allowed us to go beyond that. Um, but I think at a basic level, um, we still do it for those reasons. Um, not entirely anymore, and I think that we can get past that. But I think it's very hard to get past that. Um, it's kind of like um, uh, bring it in uh, like to like you know the whole like no uh, no nut thing you know uh, no nut November um, uh, semen retention stuff like that. We know that there's benefits to not jacking off every day, but you know a lot of us through our basic instincts you know do it anyway. Even yeah, though even it, though we yeah. know even though we know that it's it's not like the best for us to do it every day, we still do it every day, and it's at that that primal instinct. You know what I mean? And so to that, my my theory would almost be that, like, in order for us, like, collectively to get past that, I think there has to be, like, some sort of goal or motivation that's, like, that's meaningful and valuable enough so that, you know, that those, like, small urges and primal instincts, like, they kind of, they fall by the wayside simply because you know that they're in opposition to whatever goal you're trying to achieve. So for example, like if, because we're talking about lifting, let's keep talking about lifting. Yeah. yeah. If you know, like, you know, jacking off, um, messes up your, you know, your lift, you have a big lift tomorrow, whatever. Um, and that becomes such a large goal for you. It would only make logical sense that then, um, no fat becomes, something that is more uh, motivated to you because you have the higher goal. So I think yeah, the the important lesson here is that in order to like move past these relatively like animalistic and simple urges, there has mm-hmm. to be like a common thread or a common goal for you to chase mm-hmm. to give meaning to that. I 100% agree. I mean, <clears throat> I mean we can either take this even further. Uh like when it comes to college or like a business or um, anything like that, where you know that you putting in all those hours and work now isn't going to be fun. Uh, but it's like, you have to like get your, in your head that, you know, in five years from now, it's going to be worth it. But you, to get past those primal instincts that say, I don't want to put in 10 hours a day now. Cause I'm not getting any benefit out of it. That's what your brain's telling you. And it's the same thing with like, no nut. It's like your brain's telling you that you need to do this, but you need to like think ahead. And I think we're the only creatures that are, you know, capable of that. And See. I mean, what are your thoughts on like, you know, like college and stuff like that when it comes to like um you know, uh thinking in the in the future. Like it's it's beneficial like four years from now, uh business, you know, whatever it might be, but now it's just pain. So it's like I you gotta think, think- I think that there's an obsession today with immediate gratification, right? We need it now. We want it now. And because of that, a lot of individuals like forego long-term benefits of like delaying that immediate gratification in order to get the small materialistic things that we want now. Yeah, hundred percent. Like we want, we want something now. We don't want to put in the work to get it. Sometimes we will, but like, for example, like if something's like, you know, cheap, you know, maybe we'll just we'll be like, oh, it's not a big deal. I'll work one shift at work. But, you know, when it comes to being a millionaire down the future, that's a much longer plan. You know, that requires, you know, a decade, you know, for a lot of people to like, you know, achieve that. And so you, and you have to put in the work every day to, you know, get to that point. 
Right. And it's, it's, it just comes down to the Instagram gratification. We want Instagram gratification. We want to be a millionaire. We want to have all these cars. We don't have things. We want to have possessions, but we don't want to put in the work to get there. And it takes a lot of time to get there. And that's a big problem with, I think, today's society, today's younger generation, especially. We want, um, and we get like a lot of like desire from like temporary things. And I think the important thing to realize with that is that by like having that immediate gratification and taking those quote unquote like small, uh, like releases of dopamine. It's not that it's you know because when you when you have those moments, you're like, oh, get, this can't hurt. You know, it, it's just a little, you know, just a little nut, whatever. Like it's yeah, not gonna hurt. Exactly. But you have to realize that every like quote unquote episode of immediate gratification pushes pushes your long term benefit backwards and backwards. It jeopardizes it more and more every time. Because if you think about it, like in a monetary sense, so let's say you collect like a penny a day right right and you have something you want worth five pennies but what you really want is worth you know a million pennies right you're gonna you're gonna be like ah it's just you know it's just five pennies you know let me let me buy it and then next day you do the same next day you do the same in 10 years you still have zero pennies because you're like ah you know it's just five pennies you know it's it's not much so i think that kind of like People need to build their bank. People need to build their um, immediate gratification bank. Right. Because you're essentially like every time you delay your immediate gratification, you're putting another penny in the bank. And the more and more that fills up in the piggy bank without you drawing it out, the closer and closer you get to that long-term goal that you're chasing. Exactly. And, and, And on that note too, like the more, you know, five penny purchases you make, the less like gratification you get from the bigger purchases or like say for example you know you don't go i know a week without nothing it feels fucking great that when you when you fucking finally do it right, right. but you do it every day it's going to feel a lot less and it, the more you do it the, the worse it feels um and i think that we need to like learn like less like instant gratification uh and it also comes to like just comfort you know we get fucking comfortable um but it's not good to be comfortable you know arnold used to say um arnold said he doesn't like to be comfortable um, cause once you, once you get used to it, it's hard to give up. And like, you know, what do you think about that quote? Okay. See, I feel like comfort is, comfort is a killer, dude. Cause comfort leads to laziness and complacency. And once those two set hold, that's a dangerous combination. Yeah. You don't want to improve. You're comfortable. What? I mean, if you're, if you're making 50 grand a year and you're comfortable ish, like, like your brain's like, oh, we're, we made it. You know, we're okay. And, and, and your, your end goals, you know, slip away from you. You know, you wanted to start this business. You wanted to, um, you know, become a doctor, become an engineer, whatever it is. But, you know, your, um, your comfort held you back. You, you, you got too comfortable and you never put in, you know, the painful hours it takes to become successful. Success is a very uncomfortable process. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's, yeah, it is not a comfortable process. You have to go through pain. I mean, even even the people that you think like had it easy, still put in work that you don't know. You know, um, even Donald Trump. I think um, himself. He uh, he went bankrupt. How however many how many however many times before he became a billionaire? You know, you you don't see all this all this pain that came before, but you see the successful people now, and the people hate on them for it. You know. Yeah. You know what I think the common thread is there? That all those goals are grand enough that it gives you something to aspire to. So I think that that lends itself to the 
the argument of you have to have like grand goals. You can't just have these small, you know, mediocre almost goals that can be accomplished easily. You know, they have to be something absolutely grandiose that like, you know, other people would even consider like, you know, irrational or like, oh, that's crazy. You're never going to do that because that's when you won't get comfortable because you know that it's, it's lofty enough that you really got to put the effort in. Because if you think about it, when do you get comfortable? When you feel at ease, right? So if you know that your goal is at ease, you have to ask yourself, is that really a goal that is worth chasing? I so I, I feel like, especially nowadays, um, with you know these younger generations, it um, wow, younger generations, we're we're a part of that. Damn. <laughs> no, but yeah. um, you know, especially with with people our age, you know, in college, you see it all the time um they're you know they're so concerned about these small term goals right um, and that's all they think about you know oh who's who's going to be my date for this dance or you know what grade am i going to get on on this assignment but when they do that they're almost like putting their nose to dirt right they're not like looking at the track in front of them so i feel like in order to like live in that uncomfortability and like learn how to deal with it you have to like look up at the track you can't put your nose on the ground right i think there's a balance too like you can't uh you can't only look forward you gotta live in the moment too um you know you can't you can't say oh i want this degree but you also have to put your head in the moment and study for the test that's friday you know what i mean so it's like you can't only look forward there i think there is a balance um also you know a balance and not wanting to kill yourself either um if you're you know only doing stuff that's uncomfortable you know you're you're gonna waste a lot of of what i think um could be like the best years of your life too but you have to stay focused while you're doing that it's like you can like go out to parties you know you can have fun but you still gotta put in the work you gotta do both um and i don't think that you can really do just one or the other you just go to parties um you just have fun you know, you're, you're, everything else is going to suffer. Your, your bread's not going to get up. You're going to fail. Uh, but if you only do, um, you know, just school or you just put everything into your business and you never have any fun for yourself or you never go out with friends or whatever, uh, that can be dangerous too. <clears throat> but, you know, uh, on that same note, a lot of the most successful people, you know, on the planet only do th- uncomfortable things. You know, they're, they're out grinding 24-7. And s- sometimes you got to think, like, do they have something wrong with them? <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. I almost I almost have to disagree with you there when you say that, you know, you have to live the best years of your life or whatnot, because that kind of ties into instant gratification. Like, are you if if you have a goal that is grand enough, are you going to spend four days out of the week partying, you know, quote unquote, living it up? Or are you going to like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't mean I don't mean like uh, like four hours a week. I mean, like. I mean, like, don't deprive yourself completely uh, to the point where you're depressed. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. You still, That's true. it's like, you gotta, you gotta have some form of like having fun, I guess, you know, whether that's, balance, you know, yeah. yeah, you gotta have some sort of balance. And I think most of your time should be put into building your business, put it, going to school, into your, into your career. Most of your time should go there, but you should set aside some time to do everything else. And I think most people have it the opposite way. They like to do most of the stuff they want to do, 
and all the uncomfortable stuff, you know, they, they do at the end. They like, they like, you know, put it off. So if, it, if, it, if that's what it takes, just doing the uncomfortable stuff uh, to, to get to that point, then by all means. But I think if you can find a balance, do it. You, you know what? I don't, think, I don't think people... So, like, let's say, theoretically, in order to reach that goal, like, l- let's say if I were to tell you, Luke, in order to reach goal X that you've been, you know, yeah, yeah. aspiring towards, it has to be, you have to have 100% grinding at all times and forgo everything else. I feel like a lot of people would not be okay with that. And yeah. they would, they, they wouldn't um, forego the, the comfort and the satisfaction and the the dopamine associated with that in order to reach, um, you know, a quote unquote like grand or complete goal. Right, and I think that's a good point. Um, if if yes, you came to me and said you have to put a hundred percent, that'd be a lot harder. However, I don't think um, any 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 realistic goal is going to take hundred percent of what you what you have. I mean, you have a lot of hours in the day to do whatever you want. You, you, you time manage correctly. I think that is very possible to both have fun and, um, and um, you know, put in the work. Obviously, I think that you should be putting, especially when you're younger, put in the work. That should be like 90%. Mm-hmm. And by balance, I mean like 90-10, 80-20. Not like 50-50. But um, if, if you came to me and said it's 100%, that's what it would take. I'd I'd still do that. I'd I'd go in one hundred percent. Oh yeah. You know that's for sure. If that's what if that's what it takes. That's what it takes. But I don't think it does most of the time. I'm that same way. And you touched on a very important point with time management that I kind of want to flesh out a little bit. Okay. I feel like a lot of people don't understand just how much time they have in a day, and they spend if like if you were to track your time, a lot of people would be shocked how much time they're wasting every day. I'm talking right. hours on end. So I feel like when people say, oh, I don't have time or this or that, it's it's about planning your day efficiently. You have to be efficient with all your time. I'm talking about like minutes, seconds. And this can come back to Instagram gratification too. I mean, we have we have whole apps just designed around your need for instant gratification. TikTok, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, all of those are designed around instant gratification like you go through you get like a little bit of dopamine every time you scroll every time you get a like you know that's a little bit of dopamine you know it's all you get a little bit instant gratification you know and having those around doesn't help it also youtube too you know it's very easy to go down just watch a bunch of videos you know what's crazy i just looked up a statistic the average time spent on tiktok per day is 52 minutes worldwide so that's an hour out of let's say you're awake for what like 15 hours boom take one off you're just watching you're watching a screen you're not producing anything you're not contributing to your goal you're not moving forward in any tangible way right you're just staring at a screen for 52 minutes useless exactly essentially useless yeah it's um it's 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 awful uh i think that if if people got off those apps and um actually you know put in more work Maybe you maybe they get somewhere. Maybe they can put into work into their career, their their job, getting fucking better grades. No, you never really know. I and think then, it all boils. Go ahead. Oh, I was. Uh, you go ahead. I got. I want to touch on uh, sleep. Oh, gotcha. So I was saying with um, jeez. 
Oh, with uh, time. I think the the main takeaway really is to have always a use for your time. Whatever you're doing has to have some use. And that, that can include like relaxation, rest, recovery. That's a valid use. But if it doesn't fall into a particular category that is helping to improve you, then you shouldn't do it. And I think it's a slippery slope to categorize things as rest and relaxation. Because, right. for example, I can be like, oh, yeah, I'm gaming for 18 hours a day. That's my relaxation. That's my rest. There's a fine line between waste and relaxation. I feel like, for example, if you're charging a battery, right, you'll charge it until it's 100% and then use it, right? right? You won't, like, let it charge all day when it doesn't need to charge. Right. So we need to charge our batteries to the maximum point or to an optimal point and then go and deplete it again. We can't just let ourselves charge and charge over and over again. Yeah, and I'm guilty of, you know, taking too much time. Everyone is taking too much time to game, taking too much time to, you know, scroll through TikTok, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm guilty of that. I think you are too. Oh, yeah, I, of course. We all are. I mean, yeah. you, mean you, you mean you game all the time. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> We have to be aware. We're degenerates, dude. Hey, didn't we say at the beginning we're complete degenerates? Yeah, complete degenerates. Yeah, we're trying to get better. I mean, realistically, I think that you only need maybe thirty minutes an hour a day, like to do whatever you want. And some hobbies are better than others. I mean, um, scrolling through TikTok is probably it obviously does not count as a hobby. But when it comes to like recharging uh, and doing what you want to do, that's probably one of the worst ways. Absolutely, (laughs) it probably couldn't be worse. Like that is the worst. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and if anything, all- that just in, enforces that instant gratification because those right. short videos that you scroll by, each one is just a little hit of dopamine over and over again. Yep, that's exactly what I touched on. And I mean, I mean, like for example, like some people have a hobby like playing an instrument. I think that's infinitely more valuable than scrolling through TikTok and even gaming. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like some hobbies are better than others. Also, some hobbies involve physical activity. You know, becoming fit, like basketball, fucking uh, soccer, um, tennis. Yeah. So, you know, those hobbies are definitely healthy. You, you were talking about sleep. You wanted to. Touch I do want to. I sleep. do want to touch on sleep. So, what I, I wanted to ask you a question first. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, is the optimal amount of sleep? Because I know um, Jeff Bezos and some other um, big uh, billionaires say that, you know, sleep is very important. They sleep eight hours and, you know, others, other, other very rich individuals say, you know, they need, they sleep four hours a day. Like, at, yeah. at, like, what do you think? Is there like an optimal level or is it different for everyone? What do you think? Sleep? I, I don't know where, I don't know who you're talking about. I've never met her in my life. <laughs> no, but, uh, on a serious note, um, it's crazy how many people are misinformed about sleep, right? So it actually depends on your circadian rhythm. So we have uh, your circadian rhythm and your REM cycle, rather, I should say. So your REM cycle is a 90-minute cycle through which your body rests, right? And your body essentially does that over and over again in periods of 90 minutes. So therefore, um, it is most efficient to sleep in multiples of 90 minutes right so that should be like i don't know if i had to throw a ballpark like six hours seven and a half hours nine hours maybe i feel like you're pushing it with nine hours i think seven and a half is is the right sweet spot maybe six um 
but yeah, I think it, you know, the more research you do into that and the more informed you get, the better you are in figuring think, that out. I think it depends too. Uh, for example, if you don't work out, which I think everyone should exercise. However, if you don't work out, you need less sleep than if somebody that does. Um, cause that, that, um, time that you're, you know, you're sleeping is like when you're recovering the most, you need sleep to recover from, you know, exercise, especially heavyweight exercise to, uh, you know, stimulate hypertrophy and grow muscle. You need more. I mean, some bodybuilders, like people that do aesthetics, you know, suggest 10 hours a day. Um, and if that's what you do, that could be, you know, beneficial sleeping that much. Uh, but if you don't, it's like, it just depends. So what do you think? Like, if you're like, you know, doing more fitness and all stuff, do you think you need more sleep? I feel, I feel like, hmm, see, because obviously you need more sleep, right? If you're, let's just right. get that out of the way. You're, you need more sleep. But I also think that like people who don't get sleep are not sleeping not because they're doing something productive, right? So they're staying up until three, four in the morning, and you really want to want you really want to tell me that they're doing something for themselves. They're yeah. doing something like right. They're doing something productive. If they are, awesome. Kudos to them. If if you're a David Goggins that wakes up at three in the morning, hell yeah, you, you know what I mean. But or to you, most, exactly. yeah, exactly. But most of these people are not. They're staying up until three, four in the morning doing stupid shit. Yeah, exactly. Scroll so like, exactly, exactly. So I feel like people who quote unquote say they don't get enough sleep, they're making unhealthy life choices that have brought them to that point. But to to go back to what you're saying about um, right uh, about like muscle hypertrophy and the amount of sleep you need in itself, that brings up an interesting point about research, right, and about being informed. Knowledge is power. Knowledge yep. is fucking power. It is it is absolutely everything. So the more you are informed about everything, not only the better you can do things, but the more efficient you can do things. You can accomplish goals a lot faster. You can, you know, clear more time in your day just by doing a quick like little bit of knowledge searching. It doesn't even take that much. I learned all this stuff about sleep. It maybe took me half an hour of reading. And yep. now I'm like I'm have that knowledge and I'm set for a complete part of my life that I will be doing every day for as long as I live. So that like information is so readily available to us and is so important to it's a crime to not take advantage of it. Yeah. You covered that really nicely. I don't know if I can add anything to that. I mean, I completely agree. Knowledge is power. And I completely agree with your fact that, Hey, you know, um, it's so readily available. And again, I'll repeat your point. It's so readily available. It's a crime to not, you know, go on the internet and, and search for uh, everything that you, everything that you, you, you want to search for. And, and it, it doesn't even, it doesn't even have to benefit you, but a lot of times it will, like you said, like the sleep thing, you know, you learn about sleep. Now you're like, Hey, like I need eight hours. I need, you know, nine hours to, you know, increase my hypertrophy, you know, have the max amount of um, health benefits for that. And it's not entirely just how much sleep you get it's also it's 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 what you do in the day that's important so if you sleep eight hours and that makes you the most productive during the day over six hours you need eight hours that's 10 hours that's 10 hours but if you can do six hours and be just as productive as eight hours that two hours wasted 
Exactly, yeah. And I, I think it's crazy how, like, such a double-edged sword the internet can be because it can, like, lead you down that rabbit hole, like we're talking about with TikTok, but it can also give you this wealth of knowledge. So I think it's really in the eyes of, like, the wielder of that sword to use it responsibly. Powerful tool. It's a powerful yeah, tool, it but it can also destroy lives. That's the thing. That's crazy. You know? You know, no, never in history have we had this much access to knowledge. And and, and the same the same tone. Never in history have we had a more depressing youth. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. So it's like so if anything, this super powerful thing, the internet, is hurting us more than helping us, which is crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I again I think it's you know, it's up to the individuals like the peeps that are gonna listen to this podcast, you know, have their eyes open and be able to use that. Um, you know, that perspective and that knowledge exactly. to, to use the tools accordingly. And yeah. we're not perfect individuals ourselves. I mean, no, like, we're, we're, we're talking all about it. This is the ideal, but we're still not perfect. Yeah, know? dude. And to, to say you are and to yeah. claim you are perfect is that's, that's when, like, people tell or, like, individuals like me can tell you're a fool. So, like, for example, I know a person is intelligent and knowledgeable when they say, hmm, I don't know a lot about this topic. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Or, ah, you know, I don't really know too much about this topic, to be honest. But the, mm -hmm. the fool will always speak before they know. Yep. So, yeah. It's I, a great I point. Know. It's a great point. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. true. You know, I think that's a, that's a pretty good way to wrap up the pilot. Yeah, I think so. We had a great conversation. Um, and then I just want to say, make sure you guys tune in. Uh, we'll probably try to get one of these out every week. Uh, so okay. tune into Unmasked Podcast. Um, if you guys want, follow me on Instagram, uh, lean underscore mass underscore fitness. It'd be great help. And me as well at underscore I'm Robbie. Um, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.